0: We just had a conversation about the politics of climate change. And in many ways, it has become pure politics at one level. And, and it's the one that we often hear the most about. We get most wrapped up in, you know, you've got Ottawa with the grand proclamations. And we were talking about that earlier, right? Electric vehicle, you can't have new gas-powered vehicles sold in Canada past 2035. That's the latest one. We've had clean energy mandates, you name it. The list goes on, right? Uh, And and you need to go back in history and see how many of these goals and targets set by the federal government are actually achieved. Very, very few, if any, if you go back uh, through history. Nonetheless, um, they make these ambitious statements. Conservatives push back and around and around we go. Think about it. Um, We expect, indeed we demand, Certain postures from our chosen parties because they've told us that this is what's best and it's it's a circle and it just goes around and around and around um, now industry doesn't really have the luxury of playing politics they do to an extent okay they do have to acknowledge the shifting realities or maybe you want to call it the politics of the world whatever it doesn't matter and that's why you see auto manufacturers committing to all electric vehicles by certain dates and increasing their production of electric vehicles and all the rest of this stuff. They have to. They have to recognize where things are going, right? But their focus remains focused 100% on making money, whatever that may entail. That's why they pay attention to the politics of it. But I find it really informative to see what they're doing, more so than what the politicians are doing. Politics and reality don't always line up. Right? Like I say, there's ambition involved, all kinds of things. Um, in fact, these days the reality very seldom lines up one hundred percent with any of the politics that goes on around this. So when we talk about what's going on with the transition away from fossil fuels and you know, where renewables fit into all of that, I think it makes a lot of sense to see what is industry doing, what's actually happening, what does the data show us is really taking place? Not what we're being told by politicians, but what's actually happening. The Fraser Institute released a report this week saying the industry marches on. The despite all efforts to the contrary when it comes to this. So we're going to speak now with Elmira Aliakbari. Elmira is Director of National Resource Studies for Fraser Institute. Uh, Elmira, uh, I apologize. Elmira, thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate your time.
1: No worries. Thanks for
0: having me. Um, Let's go through your report here. It's really interesting. You examined a a few different things in putting it together. First of all, fossil fuel demand in the face of the efforts to cut into that demand, to reduce that demand, to transition away from that demand, call it what you want. So let's start by going over what's being done to advance that transition because we know trillions, billions are being sunk into
1: that, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So um, at COP28, the recent uh, United Nations Climate Change Conference, um, nearly 200 countries, including Canada, um, gathered to push uh, for a transition away from fossil fuels and expedite efforts um, to reach a global net zero carbon footprint by 2050. Um, however, despite significant efforts by governments uh, over the past Three decades and massive money being spent to promote clean energy. We see that the words um, dependence on fossil fuels has remained largely unaffected, um, calling into question the feasibility of these recent commitments uh, to reach net zero by 2050. So um, the journey towards um, decarbonization and energy transition began in 1995 at the UN's first climate change conference in Berlin. Since then uh, we've seen that governments worldwide have invested substantial amounts of money in energy transition. Consider that from 2015 to 2023 uh, governments and industries worldwide uh, spent $11.7 trillion uh, on clean energy, which includes um, renewable power, electric vehicles, energy efficiency, etc. Um, To provide some context to better understand and the scale of this spending, um, this is uh, the equivalent of all the goods and services produced in Germany, Japan, and the United Kingdom combined in 2023. Um, Unfortunately, despite massive spending, we have seen limited progress in terms of reducing global reliance on fossil fuels. Yeah, Um, like when
0: you you break that down, right, I mean, if we're talking trillions of dollars, and like you say, it's almost 12 trillion in eight years, that's a huge amount of money. Hasn't it mm-hmm. nibbled into the demand for fossil fuels at all? Have we seen that?
1: No, actually, when we look at the data, we see that from 1994, which marks the beginning of Climate Summit, to 2022, the latest year for available data, global consumption of fossil fuels increased by nearly 60%. Uh, Specifically, oil consumption rose by 34%, natural gas by 87%, uh, and coal by 73%. Uh, While there was a marginal decline in the share of total energy provided by um, fossil fuels, during this period, um, dropping from 86% in 1995 to 82% in 2022, um, we see that the fundamental reliance on fossil fuels remains largely unchanged. And this outcome raises serious questions about the feasibility of governmental commitments to reach net um, zero targets um, within the next 26 years. So we are seeing
0: an increasing share uh, of energy production going to renewables. But like you say, it's not big. It, it's not huge yeah. at this point. So um, what about costs? I mean, the other side of this equation, right? If we are seeing these, th- this movement, what about where we are for us as consumers? What does it meant for people who consume energy around the world?
1: Um, you know, um, the energy transition comes with costs, costs beyond direct government spending and uh, that includes um, high uh, energy prices and reduced power reliability. Um, We have observed uh, that some European countries uh, which have implemented aggressive climate policies to transition away um, from fossil fuels and heavily incorporate renewables into their electricity grids are now experiencing high and soaring electricity prices. um, similarly, some North American jurisdictions, such as California, um, which have heavily incorporated renewable power into their grids, um, have been dealing with power outages and blackouts. Um, so these real-world challenges, you know, again, make us wonder uh, how realistic uh, these recent commitments are to reach net zero within the next 26
0: years. Like you say, we're we're looking at 26 years, 2024, and all of this talk is around 2050. And like, you know, I mean, the provincial government of Alberta and most industry, you know, the, the Pathways Alliance, they're all on board with 2050. I mean, nobody I've, I've heard from Elmer is talking about demand for fossil fuels dropping now. I mean, peak demand is still, depending on who you talk to, any number of years away. So it's not surprising to me to say that demand continues to go up. That's the expectation, right?
1: you know when we look at the data we see that demand for fossil fuels continue to go up and um, um, as I explained there was a marginal decline uh, in the share of energy provided by fossil fuels and what we have seen so far is that you know trillions have been um, uh, invested in the transition away from fossil fuels over the past three decades but this investment has yielded limited uh, results and um, this data basically shows that the government's approaches to date um, have been um, ineffective and costly. So, we are basically urging governments to uh, reevaluate their policies, to uh, come up with a more um, effective uh, policy uh, to address the issue of climate change. Well- Can we, like
0: you say, we we take a look at uh, 2050 and what this says about that, but what about the the, the path that we're on? We are seeing small increases. Do you acknowledge that? I mean, and certainly not enough to reach the goals that the government has set, but what could this tell us about 2030, 2035, 2045 even? I mean, what do we learn about where we need to be as we hit all these different markers along the way?
1: You know, if you want to reach that target, we have to significantly re- reduce our reliance on fossil fuels. Remember, we are now like over 80% of global energy is still coming from fossil fuels. And um, the, when we look at the data, we see that over the past three decades, we haven't been able to significant, to you know make meaningful changes in terms of reducing reliance on fossil fuels, despite trillions being free- Spent. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is a huge challenge for us, you know, to reach net zero over the uh, next 26 years because the evidence based on the past three decades shows that we haven't really, you know, um, seen any meaningful change. So we'll still have to wait and see what happens over the next 26 yeah. years. But we are really skeptical about the feasibility of reaching um, these the net zero target uh, within the next 26 years based on the evidence that we have
0: today. Makes perfect sense. Elmira, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you being here.
1: Thanks for having me.